Tony, quit touching my cup. That wasn't my question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome everybody to Full Spectrum Cycling Goodness. This is show number 43, I think. Wow. And welcome to show 43. Holy cromacarol. Uh, JK's somewhere across the big pond. So we have a special guest in the in the store studio today. <laughs> He's special, all right? Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Russell Jones. Hello, sir. Hello. And of course, Tony Burton. Hello. Sitting across the table, staring at the Single Speed USA clean canteen, beautiful pint mug there. I haven't enough beer to speak my mind yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, we wanted to have Russell on the show for a long time. And even back into the weekly dose days, I was kind of going through the archives and thought uh, that we'd at least done one show and was going to sort of do the Wayback Machine thing, but turns out you really haven't been on a show yet. Well, I'm so pretty, I usually go right to video. You know, yes. <laughs> you're really not getting the whole picture. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm already sick. <laughs> well, you have the voice for radio and the face for radio, too. That's uh, what my mom always Cool. No, this um, is an exciting show. I'm fired up to have Russell on the show. Fired up to have Russell on the show. There's, I mean, we could probably have Russell on every show for a year and not talk about the same thing twice if we went back in time and talked about everything Russell's done in cycling. But, uh, I don't know. It, probably. It, goes, it goes way back, actually. Uh, I was talking to a few of my uh, staff at the shop, and uh, one of them asked, um, you know, I thought I'd been working in the bike shop for like 10 years. And pointed out that uh, at the end of the year, it was actually uh, wrapping up year 32 for me in the bike industry. Holy mackerel. Speaking of shop, Russell, could you give us a little bit about it? Sure. I'm uh, currently the general manager for Dream Bikes Milwaukee. So uh, those who don't know what Dream Bikes is, we are a uh, chain of nonprofit bike shops. And we have shops, uh, two in Madison, the one in Milwaukee, Rochester, New York, and Knoxville, Tennessee. And we are currently have feelers out um, in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia as well. Nice. And so how we uh, function is we collect donations from any source we can get, of anything bicycle-related. As we always tell uh, potential donors, take anything and everything bicycle-related, bikes, parts, accessories, clothing, parts of bikes, um, even artwork. We have uh, occasionally get posters. Uh, nice. Even we can add some uh, one-off artwork uh, donate to the shop. Fortunately, um, I don't have room to display all of them, but I do have a decent collection of some posters in my office all framed. If, uh, if one wanted to go to this bike shop, where would it be located here? We are, we are located just north of downtown on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, 2021A. Uh, except I believe currently there's no A on the uh, on the uh, door. You can't really miss the this side. Dream bikes out there. Dream right right. bikes, nice yeah. side. Right across you from Crown Hardware. Directly across Crown Hardware and right next to uh, Fine Brothers Restaurant Supply. Right. So we are the new kids on the block. Yeah. Uh, we've been there. The uh, actually uh, April 1st will be our 10 year anniversary. Very nice. Milwaukee. So I noticed uh, when I go into the shop that it's not like a typical um, collective style. Bike shop. No, we. Uh, it looks more like a legit bike shop when you walk. Yeah, that, that's kind of the idea. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we try to keep it uh, uh, functioning as a regular bike shop. Uh, the two main exceptions is almost everything in the store is donated. There are certain things we do have to purchase: locks, lights, uh, a few parts and accessories, and that stuff. But 
95 to 98% of our inventory sells and donated to us. Uh, so you might find a, use, or a new bike in there. It does happen from time to time, uh, but uh, generally it's all used bikes. And then the other big difference is um, our, our, our mission really is providing jobs and life training skills to Milwaukee's underserved youth. Uh, so we're very fortunate that in Milwaukee, we teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, Milwaukee has the largest Boys and Girls Club association in the country. That's um, a fun fact. I didn't know that. I, I was a Boys Club kid back in the old days at the Franklin Place Boys Club there. Yeah, I don't know ours and Oshkosh. Yeah, yeah, big one. So uh, so we got a program running uh, in conjunction with the uh, Boys and Girls Club, Bubbler Bikes, and uh, added last year was MATC. And so what the program is, is uh, kids who are already members of the Boys and Girls Club, they can apply. They have to be at least 14 years of age for this part. And they spend eight weeks at the Mary Ryan Boys and Girls Club in Sherman Park, which has a, uh, a small bike shop in it. Uh, nice. They got tools, uh, stands. They have a bunch of parts. Uh, we donate them bikes and stuff if they need it as well. And the kids spend eight hours a week for eight weeks, and they learn the basics of bike repair. And most of them really are, they pick a bike, it's given to them, and then they learn to tear it down, rebuild it. Beautiful. So they so take care of their own rig and they don't take care of their own rig. Right um, and that way, it's uh, front to back, old, old bike. And then they come to us when their eight weeks is up. Um, we get them, usually a group of six, anywhere from three to six kids. We get out of the program at a time. And when they come by us, they, uh, they've already, you know, know some basics on uh, bike work. Good. And when they're by us, uh, they assist us in any way we need in running shop. Um, sometimes they may get, you know, get to help the customer. But a lot of times what they'll end up doing is uh, refurbishing bikes for our inventory. That's a lot of what they do. But they also, you know, every once in a while, one of them are surprised when I say, well, we need you to take up the garbage or, you know, bathroom needs to swept, mop. Um, but, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find me in the shop doing that uh, yeah, once in a while. It's just like a shop owner, you know. Yeah, it's you know I've had a little pushback from time to time. I just say, hey, it's anything that's involved in running a bike shop. Involved in it, got to wear all the hats. Yeah, and nobody's going to ask you to do anything that we all haven't done ourselves, so. or wouldn't do again. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they're by us eight hours a week for eight weeks, and um, while they're by us, they're paid nice. uh, regular regular paycheck. Uh, every two weeks, same as my, my other staff. And when they finish up their eight weeks by us, they go on the bubbler bike. And at bubbler, they assist them once again. Anything they need to be done at bubbler. Uh, and now, well, the way people treat those bikes sometimes, I, I think they probably need fairly regular repair. Yeah, yeah. and refurbishing. <laughs> proverbial rented mule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, ride it like you stole it or yeah. it. So, uh, so they finish up their eight weeks at bubbler once again, a paid position. Um, and then when they're done there, selected individuals have now been going to MATC, and there's an automotive program, uh, mm -hmm. and they'll learn uh, some basics and body work, um, just some very basic For auto standing. Yeah, and uh, that one's sponsored by Peak Automotive. Um, that's how they're giving help to give back to the community. They're, they're sponsoring that part of it, so while they're once again they're paid, and uh, some kids out of there. Um, the uh, automotive dealers of Mega Milwaukee have also agreed to employ any of the kids to complete the whole program. Adam. And so kids get a chance if they complete the program, and if they are 18 years of old age and out of high school, which a few of them are, they can actually uh, pick up a job as a dealer. Usually it's a lot attended and can work their way up from there. Hey, so ladies and gentlemen, we got a conference. 
What? Should we interrupt Ru- Russell's story for a, a brief respite? Should be good. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, caller. Who do we have on the line? Uh, hi, this is JK. <laughs> <laughs> From where are you calling? I'm calling from Seville, or Sevilla, Espania. Espania? It's going halfway around the world, so we got the delay thing going. What are you doing? Hold on a second. Here, there we go. I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it with a cool boom bot, and it wasn't working out well. Well, this is working a lot better. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the cool boom bot doesn't work in Estonia. Yeah. We need we need to hear JK. We don't want to hear Kim. Yeah, exactly. That's why I turned the boom bot off. <laughs> so, because of the delay, JK, just give us a quick uh, rundown on what you're doing, so we don't have to interrupt you. Uh, well, we uh, got in here late and. Uh, Almost lost our Airbnb, and then we ran into a Dunkin' Donuts that walked us to where we were going and ended up figuring it out and ended up taking him to the bar and getting him drunk and all <laughs> shots and all as well. And <laughs> good times, good times, good times all around. Cool. And he is actually flat. I was trying to biking and, and when we were in Lisbon, um, the place went too freaking hilly. Freaking like, hilly. Yeah. Up. <laughs> cool. Well, as was Tangier, Morocco. We're gonna, probably gonna have to catch up with when you get back because we're not. We don't have that good a connection, JK. It's kind of like uh, hard to. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Just want to give a check in. All right. Yeah. I was glad. Thank you. I don't have a place yet. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Keep it light, guys. Keep it light. I didn't say hello. Hello, it's me. Remember me? Kimberly. You're a little clearer than me. Oh, there she goes. Oh, boy. Me from Sydney. All right. Keep it light, guys. And and (laughs) bye-bye. Wow. Well, I guess uh, around the world technology isn't that great when your Wi-Fi calling. Yeah, who knows what kind of they they might have two cans strung up between buildings. Yeah, right. Uh, well, that was J.K. folks. So at least he made the show this week, even though it's uh, from what one uh, one a.m. in uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't really tell where they were. I, I heard Seville and then Estonia, and I thought they were in uh, Portugal somewhere. Okay. That was his initial stop. Was Portugal? Yeah, he said he was going to travel. Spain's right next door. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're into it. I don't know. But, hey, thanks for calling, J.K. Terrorizing the Iberian Peninsula. You're all right. I don't care what we were just thinking about you. You can hit door and get all three. So we were uh, we were hearing Russell talk about Dream Bikes and its mission and got through a pretty good chunk of it. Um, it's definitely – so uh, the kids, uh, we were talking about some of them entering the automotive trades. Uh, have some of the other kids ended up actually placed in bike shops? Uh, yeah. Yes, actually, um, with the exception of uh, two adult employees that have by me, all my employees for the last seven years have come through that program. Um, and it's really nice is we get to uh, – you get to spend eight weeks working with a team, 
so you'll have a good idea if it's going to be a, a good mix, uh, good match for your for our team and stuff like that. So we'll get some good experience um, with the teams, and so we'll hire who we can out of the program. We can't hire everybody we want out of there. And, and a few kids have gone on to work at other shops. Uh, kids have gone to work at Ben's. We've had kids uh, go to Wheel and Sprocket. Um, right over here at Fixation, and as well as uh, Devin by me. Uh, actually, he went to Eric's for a while, and he was a sales manager for a stretch. Wow. Now, oh, uh, now selling ice cream. Yeah. Out of uh, cards? Uh, Purple Door ice cream. Yeah. Down in, uh, yeah, I know, right the street. I, so I get ice cream in the summer, but what I don't get is how these places stay going in it's the winter. busy when I walk by the place in the winter. Okay. 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 Maybe ice cream will have what about what about the cookie guys? The guys that make the you know late night chocolate cookies. How's that guy saying? Because he's charging forty dollars for a fucking dozen cookies. Oh, I thought it was a front for a drug dealer or something. Oh no, I unfortunately UWM College. I'm not saying any other bike shop wouldn't be a good way to launder money, but you know, but it would. That's probably been done. You know, may have been done in this city for all I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dream bikes. Um, is is a community? It's like a community training for some of these kids. Um, right. And if you're in the area, it's a good place to stop by. If you need a good bike shop quality bike, they really don't do a whole lot, for, if anything, with department store bikes. Um, we do. We get quite a few uh, department store bikes donated to us. Okay. And uh, we were challenged by our board of directors. I think it's four years ago now to. Give, a, give away 100 bikes a year to those in need. And since we were getting so many parts and store bikes um, that really don't have a great resale value, um, you can't put, you know, $75 parts and labor into a bike and then sell it for $50. It's not a good business practice, even if you are a nonprofit. Uh, so we always had a good supply of bikes. So we always thought in Milwaukee, it's like, well, how can we find uses for these? And so... We've hooked up with a few organizations and let them know uh, a few of the Salvation Army, um, and a lot of a lot of religious groups. Uh, anybody who really works almost in that uh, social worker role, if they got somebody, client, customer, even an acquaintance who is uh, struggling in life, and a bike would uh, would help them either transportation. Um, Exercise, what would be it? Uh, we'll see if we can uh, match them up with a with a bike, and that's where a lot of our department store bikes go. Is they get passed on to other members of the community. Uh, it's really uh, nice when you get somebody who uh, you know uh, a bike makes a difference in them. You know they're used to you know either walking everywhere or taking the bus. Uh, if you're on a very limited income, bus is not cheap. No, you know so no. it adds up for them. So uh, a bike allows them the freedom um, to go where they want. And we've been fortunate that uh, another one of a uh, great Milwaukee companies, Master Tool Lot, Master uh, Master Lot. Sorry, Milwaukee Tool Master Lot. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Master Tool. Yeah. So Master Lot uh, uh, passed along some basic basic uh, bike locks to us. And so we learned early on if you get somebody who's either homeless or living in a group home. Um, a bike and no way to secure it, um, they may not have that bike for very long. So a lot of times we would give somebody a bike as well as a lock so they can uh, uh, keep that bike as their own for a while. So 
Um, and I'm happy to say that between that and then uh, giving away various kids' bikes for different programs, uh, last year alone in Milwaukee, we uh, gave away slightly under 700 bikes. Nice. So a challenge from the board of directors is 100 a year and uh, overachiever. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, and actually we have to uh, we have to suspend giving bikes away. Usually in uh, June, July, and August, we are so busy at that time of year just trying to keep up our repairs and our refurbishing of bikes for sale. Um, we could um, you know we could spend 10 to 20 hours a week in the shop just getting bikes ready for donation. Fortunately, we have to, you know, turn people away at that time of year. But, um, you know, even being a nonprofit, we still need to put money in the register to uh, keep, the on. Keep, our, yeah, keep the lights on and keep the teams working. Uh, they, it's very important for these teams to get that paycheck. Um, and it brings back to the original question, how do we differ, you know, really from, like, uh, your basic bicycle co-op or a lot of your other nonprofit bike shops around the country uh, we function more as a regular retail business, and the nonprofit of it comes from supplying jobs to the disadvantaged teams. Uh, so many of these teams, um, you know, you give them the chance of, you know, hey, here's your employment while you're in high school. Do you want to flip burgers, or would you rather work in a bike shop? Pretty um, clear option for me. Yeah, clear, yeah. clear option. Um, they can work in the bike shop. They're not just a number. They're just not somebody there to fill that shift. Uh, they are individuals. Um, and we also have a scholarship program. Um, I also work with kids, work around their school schedule. And, you know, they want to add extra curricular activities, intramurals, whatever, I encourage them. Uh, simply because I tell them, uh, you, uh, you have the rest of your life to work while you're a teenager. Make sure you partake in uh, other activities outside of work and, you know, strict classes. I'll tell you, every time, you know, I... I rode a bike today with some green bike part-time that I went in and shopped. I love to just go there and walk around. The bikes are always different. Sometimes there's some really cool stuff. Sometimes you got to see Russell. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I always tell people, uh, you never know what's going to be there. Um, I'm off for a day or two and I come back. It's interesting to see what is coming as a donation. Uh, we get everything from bikes that are really don't even roll anymore. Um, we recycle as many of those as we can. Uh, we take off whatever parts we can. Some of those are my bike pens at home. Yeah. And uh, we do some of that. Uh, but we'll get everything from, uh, we've had people donate bikes to us that we've turned around and been able to sell for easily $1,000 or more. Yeah. Um, so, so, but most, most of the bikes, uh, most of the adult bikes are in that uh, $200, $250 uh, price range. And uh, it's just not a bike we wipe down. Uh, most cases, oh, no. we replace all the cables, we replace the housing, drivetrain comes off, goes to the parts washer, it's reinstalled. Uh, we replace wear items as necessary, uh, brake pads, saddle, grips, handlebar tape, as necessary. So we do as much as we can to make this a bike that when you purchase it, uh, it should remain trouble-free for you for, you know, good years worth of use. Nice. So typically, the bikes that are on the floor are bike store quality bikes. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, for the most yeah, part. I've Occasionally, GTs in there and tracks. Yeah, a lot, a lot of drive tracks. Um, I like to tell people we are really, uh, uh, we are in the heart of track country here, so we get a lot of tracks. Um, a lot of great old U.S. made tracks too. Yeah, mm -hmm. really bad. Find yourself rolling. a 970 rolling through there once. Yeah, uh, we. Uh, I got, I got in the uh, in the pile to get to soon. I have a uh, 
an older Trek 620, the first year they oh. were bikes, before they put cantilever brakes on it. One year they have a side full brakes. So I have one of those in back. It is hand with the uh, brown decals. Beautiful bike. <laughs> so that's a six I, two, I'm embarrassed to say what I paid for mine. Reynolds 531 frame. Yeah. Uh, we have a Trek 700. Uh, once again, five, uh, 531 frame. That's more of a race geometry. Uh, need to, I need to go yeah. through and get those. And those, we got really fortunate. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I scored 100 Lynch Trek road bike tires. A new old stock. Still bundled up. Wow. So when we restore, like, you know, 83 Trek 620, I have the original tires that it was specced with to put on the bike. Mm, uh, that's cool. So I uh, actually had some guy come in, and he was like, he's looking at like, you got brand new tires on this, but they're the original tires. And I'm like, yeah, I got uh, I'm that cool. at 100 of them. So slowly been going through them. Um, we don't really sell them because we like to put them on the uh, vintage straps. Of course. Of look, so. Yeah. Up, up. Top of the hill. Top of the hill, folks. Top of the hill. Time to talk about the beer, Tony and I are drinking. We can talk about the paps that Russell's drinking, too, man. You probably already know what that is. It was good enough for Grandpa. <laughs> it's one of my go-to beers. In fact, I'll probably have one right after the show. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a bunch of a dicker down the street there. Yeah. Yeah. It's an honest working man's beer. So what's our beer today, Tony? Today, you know what? You start talking about them, now we'll get tomorrow. Yeah, this is the Milwaukee Brewing Company's Hazy IPA. Um, I chose it be for the fun fact that uh, the original owner of the Milwaukee Brewing Company, um, Michael Beezer, along with uh, Steve McCabe, Jim, Jim McCabe, excuse me, uh, Mike Beezer used to live up the street here on Fratney uh, in my friend Dan Stoff's house, Fratney Stand. And he came downstairs when we were brewing beer. He's like, what's that crazy smell? And I said, oh, we're brewing beer. He's like, can I watch? Like, yeah, of course. He's like, can I take notes? I'm like, it's a free country. And it turned out he was a salesperson at the computer company I worked for. This is going back uh, 27 or so years. Yeah, he lived right on Dalsman with me. Well, not with me, but right down the block from me for many years. Uh, And uh, he started, I, I ran into him like, a couple of weeks later, and I'm like, how's it going? He's like, oh, dude, I have a CO2 system set up. I've got four tap lines. I'm like, holy shit, you're really going to town. And a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months later, him and Jim said, oh, you know, we're going to start a brewery in Milwaukee. And they, uh, you know, they, they got a million dollars worth of backing from people. They wanted $10,000 minimum investment, and I unfortunately didn't have $10,000 back then. And uh, they opened up Milwaukee Brewing Company. About ten thousand dollars, probably right. Mm-hmm. Be pretty, pretty well, hard. They did the Ale House too. It was originally the Milwaukee yeah, Ale House. They started yeah. at the Milwaukee Ale House, right? And the reason I bought this beer, this hazy IPA, besides the price, is um, they opened the Milwaukee Ale House, and I was very excited to go. And I had my first beer, and I frankly thought it was horrible. And I was quite embarrassed that I showed him how to make his first batch of beer. And I rarely like their beer, but I will say this one is very drinkable. So, you know, uh, Mike sold out for everybody. Right, true. Mike sold out and started some sort of kimchi farm uh, up west of Milwaukee towards the Madison area. Yeah, cabbage farm making kimchi. Basically, yeah. Burying it in the ground and everything traditional style. He's doing very traditional style kimchi. I have lost touch with him, so maybe someone from that show will listen to it, or this show will listen to it, and 
contact him for me, but uh, I've kind of lost touch with him. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen him for years. Yeah, his brother owns uh, Northwood Software over in uh, of a capital there, the old mm-hmm. Catholic Knights building or something. Yep, yep. So, so uh, yeah, how much the hazy IPA? The hazy IPA, first of all, is hazy, as mm-hmm. the name implies. Um, it's not a terribly bad beer at all. It's very hoppy. Um, does it give us any stats on it? We'll have to post it on the, on the website. Uh, I'll link to it. I'm on the label here, and say MKE MVP, and it's got a. Uh, Kind of a Milwaukee Bucks flavor to it. If you want yeah, to look at the label there, it's got the uh, the nice uh, forest green and gold, and it's got the uh, white, blue, black, and the uh, gold stripes on the bottom there. Great in practice, those Bucks aren't doing well this year too. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Another way. Better good for that fucking stadium we built. That's called an arena, sir. Whatever. Yeah. Caught, the game, caught the end of the game last night, and they uh, finished off the season series already with the New York Knicks, uh, the hapless New York Knicks. Apparently so this year. Uh, they've uh, won every game this year by an average of 28 points over the Knicks. So, that's um, what happens when you have a... Why are they team? called the Knicks? It's New York Knickerbockers. Knickerbockers. That's what I figured. Okay. It's full name of the team. Um, if... Uh, I think you hear the name Knickerbockers for the team maybe once in a blue moon, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So this uh, MVP beer here is 5.5% uh, ABV and 60, 60 IBU. So it's right in there, the typical yeah. IPA it's type beer. It's drinkable. I can, I can drink that for sure. It's quite, I'll get a picture of it so we can put it on the, in the link to the notes. Put, put it, it on the old interwebs there. It seems to be more beer on the internet. It's kind of hazy. So we we got uh, oh, we got a pretty good thing with Russell on the dream bikes thing. Let's talk about some other stuff, Russell. Um, sure. One thing I'm curious about because the weather hosed us this weekend. I was sitting here waiting for 12 inches of snow instead of going to the the Brazen Dropouts uh, bike swap, but I assume you were there. Actually, uh, I was en route to the uh, Brazen Dropouts uh, bike swap with uh, the uh, box truck loaded down and. Um, Coming down a hill in Wauwatosa, had to get on the brakes hard to avoid a few other vehicles all over the road in the ice storm. And uh, got the vehicle under control, made around the corner, right under the on-ramp, and only discovered a short time later I had blown a brake line. Yikes. So uh, I'm on an icy freeway, uh, high winds, and a box truck, um, about six tons worth, and uh, zero brake pedal. Uh, pumped it, did make a difference. So... Uh, but the, uh, my buddy Chris Cooper was uh, riding shotgun with me. Oh, wow, well, excellent. He was ready to bail out, tuck and roll, tuck and roll. Uh, at any moment, but, uh, we just picked a, a nice long uphill off-ramp, which was a kind of a walk at that point, and uh, used that to slow the truck down and got on the uh, hard on the perking brake and uh, got her to a stop uh, right at the Firestone. Wow. They got inside at Firestone. They went to... Uh, get it on the lift, and that's uh, so when we found out a 22-foot length truck is actually one and a half feet too long for your standard lift at uh, Firestone. So we had to have it towed. Uh, and then in all the uh, ice storm and uh, everything else going on on Saturday, uh, there's no tow trucks available, so it actually uh, made it to a destination on Monday morning, which okay. is fine with us. And uh, we'll be getting... Uh, the uh, brake lines in front of the truck uh, replaced. No, so no, so you didn't make it either. Didn't did not well, make Tony it. Well, Tony, we were going to play in the snow, but 
we got a whopping two inches. I yeah, think. maybe yeah. a quarter inch of height. I got out to Manuka on Sunday. Uh, right on. The uh, Metro Mountain Bikers uh, bought the uh, the groomer, uh, and so they've been itching to use it, and so they got approval from both Manuka Park and Pleasant Valley and Town of Grafton to groom there. And even though it was not a quality of enough snow to really need a grooming, uh, they took it out in the groom. And for most part, it was a chance to test out the groomer, sure. get used yeah. to using it, and uh, they groomed the uh, the green loop at Manuka. Um, and okay. they didn't do the blue. They were going to do the blue later that evening. Um, so I got a ride. I rode a the blue loop, and part of it uh, part of it is also the green loop as well. And even with two inches of snow, you could tell where they had groomed because it actually had uh, better over. All traction. Okay. Uh, so even two inches of snow, two, two inches compact yeah. more, nice, nice wide platform. So a little bit of traction, you could feel it, uh, feel it under the tires. Um, and that was after you know five or six people uh, had already been on the trail in front of me in the ungroomed section. So uh, real interesting on that. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, Pleasant Prairie too. Yeah, I'm I've been right up there. So, uh, but it's a good one if we get the snow. We're we're looking at three to six on Friday, yeah, Saturday. Hopefully, it's twelve. Really? Yeah. They can say two to three, we'll get twelve. Uh, 12 a fisherman's twelve, right? Yeah, for sure. Fisherman's twelve, so maybe about two inches, three inches. Yeah. It'd be nice to get a, a, a decent snow and hopefully uh hopefully it's of a quality that uh, can actually get groomed and uh, really good. Looking forward to it so many times uh, in the last couple of years, especially here in southeast Wisconsin. We uh got the Royal Hose job on uh yeah. snow quality. So and uh for the uh, listeners uh what were you riding this weekend? Uh, I picked up a, uh, I had a bike from the future. I actually picked up a 2020 uh, Trek Farley, uh, mm-hmm. 9.6. I got it in uh, late November, so it was already, uh, at that point, it was still 2019, so I like to call it a bike from the future. Nice. Um, so I had okay. a bike. I had the original Farley. I had the first year. Yeah, you know, I had the very first Farley that actually was sold. First uh, ever? First one ever. I got it in the snafu. I actually had it before it was available to the public. Um before they actually officially announced they had the bike, um, just got lucky. It's a pretty funny story because yesterday the person that bought that bike from you came into the shop. And Ed. Ed was in by up today. He had a new stem put out. I told him to go see yeah. about a stem because, you know, I said, yeah, I don't know. So well, I, so I had uh, the original Trek Farley. Uh, I came from uh, Pugsley and moved on to the Trek Farley. Big improvement from the Pugsley to the Farley. Yeah. Dropped 10, easily 10 pounds. Wow. Uh, so I had a nice uh, Farley, and I was like, you know, it's time for a new one. Six years. So I got the, uh, I was going to buy the uh, the uh, uh, Farley 8, and got a nice orange color, and uh, out of stock, my size. The only size they were sold out on. So I ended up moving up to the 96, so I got the carbon one. Wow. Or as I like to refer to it, carpet fiber. Carpet fiber. Carpet fiber bike. Carpet fiber bikes, and uh, to tap it off, and I thought, you know what? You've already uh, you already stepped into the dog shed of uh, going with the carpet fiber bike. Just roll around and uh, roll around in the carpet fiber world, and I threw carbon uh, carbon seats down, handlebars, seat posts on it. It's the same way. Uh, it weighs a few pounds. I don't have a scale. It weighs what it weighs. Uh, I don't know, 24, 25 pounds. Uh, but uh, there's a few changes that come up with the geometry. Uh, and then now it's the 27.5 uh, wheels versus the 26. Uh, so a few differences. It actually, uh, I think it handles a little better overall, and it doesn't quite have the uh, same auto steer that the uh, early Farley did, especially the early Pugsley. They tended to uh, really uh, have a lot of yeah. auto steer. Not like the Moonlander. Yeah, you're fine. You're that fine. thing steered itself everywhere. Yeah, well, never in the right direction. Right. 
So uh, I'm, uh, I'll give the uh, the new Farley. I'll you know give it a very good passing grade. So I'm really happy on it so far. Uh, pulled the original drivetrain and brakes off of it and uh, put the uh, new XP uh, 12 speed on it. So and uh, really happy with it. So um, never thought I'd need 12 uh, 12 gears. And uh, only got one up front. One up front, 12 in the back. Isn't that uh, what the Maverick came with? I like having a 12 gear. Yeah. Especially on a fat bike where you're in soft conditions or, you know, just having, having I'm not single speed in that thing. So you said, you know, are you going to use one gear at a time? Time. Try using two, that's what you have problems. So, yeah. Yeah. so overall, I'll give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Nice olive, olive drab color with a, hint, a couple orange highlights on it. So. Yeah. Just like you. Just like me. Yeah. Onto the salon just the other day and had them redone. Yeah. Uh, my highlights are just great. Yeah. I've been working on those too. So I can't believe it's already coming up on spring, believe it or not. It's only a few weeks away. Are you uh, Are you doing this for, do you do the spring classics here in Wisconsin? I uh, I do a lot of the spring classics. Uh, last year I missed a bunch of them. I had a lot of work going on. Um, me and Stolowski actually, uh, five, six years ago, I think we did the first first. First batch of them was just a handful of us uh, did a bunch of spring classics. And just in the, in Wisconsin, there's a lot of town names from across the pond, so it seems like you're in France, sort of, without the hills. Yeah, well, you know, you got a lot of a uh, lot of the Europeans. Uh, the names came over the uh, town and Jewish. That's not on the classics, is it? No. Well, Belgium is. We go down to the town of Paris, which is really just Paris. Main Street and the other street, just down the road from Union Grove. But uh, you go up to Door County, and there's a town of Brussels, and there's a big, uh, big Belgian. Bakesville, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nothing with that. But there's a uh, there's few uh, Belgian settlers up in the uh, the Kiwani and uh, uh, Southern Door County. So you have uh, town names. You have uh, grassroots. There's urine, town of urine. Yeah. <laughs> Not spelled anywhere like you think it would be. They're Flanders. You know, Brussels. Uh, it's just some really weird names. Mizir, um, as we call Misery. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the uh, Nat area, too. I've ridden up there quite a few times in the spring. Uh, you get some weird weather up there early in the year, and there's the uh, crossroads of Frog Station, Wisconsin. So, it's not near Spread Eagle, is it? No, it's Fred Eagles up on the uh, Michigan by, border. That's way up, up north. By the, the up, up north there by the Upers. Yeah, but the spring classics are great. You know, cook up all winter, you know, get out and uh, get ride some of the roads. Unfortunately, we have very, very limited gravel in southeast Wisconsin. Did you say unfortunately? Unfortunately. 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 We, we have probably some of the best terrain uh, that, you know, gravel road riding would be awesome in the our part of the state, but uh, well, you can thank dairy farmers for that. Yeah, they wanted everybody paid so they could get their stuff to market it's quickly. A smart move by the state. You know, how to protect the number one industry. So, yeah. and they did what's the more early for the industry now? Even in the 30s, uh, I believe in the 1930s, they already uh, made that law. So you, you really look back on it there, and you know, at that point, vast majority of the country was still county roads, uh, country roads was still unpaved gravel. Yeah. And Wisconsin uh, leading the way of uh, you know that very progressive um, history we have here of paving you know all these secondary roads uh, as long as there was a dairy farm on it they were paving it. Yeah, yeah you just have to go over to Iowa to see what would happen if that hadn't happened and there's just beautiful gravel in Iowa all yeah. over. 
And even in Illinois, even, even down in the great flatlands down there, um, plenty of gravel roads. Unfortunately, it's uh, almost a grid work uh, down there. Uh, not much in the way of rolling terrain and a lot so that where all the overpasses are your hills. Well, the overpasses mm -hmm. there. The overhead overpass front down there in Illinois. Reminds me, I did a bike trip once uh, across uh, southern Florida and uh, down the Keys. And the uh, only change in the elevation you got was uh, one of the uh, thousands of bridges down there. And that that was it. It was like wide as can be. That doesn't sound fun. That's Florida. Yeah, it's Florida. You know, say what you want about weird Florida men in the news and everything like that. When you're down there in the Keys, you don't have to go very far. And all of a sudden, you come across a bar and you stop in and uh, you get a rum drink, a uh, fruity rum drink for like two bucks. And... Uh, yeah, have one or two, get back on the bike, ride you for next time. Life is good. Yeah, one road that connects all of them, so you can't really get lost. The only way you're going to get lost is if you do a 180. You, you didn't find yourself back at the bar you just left. You know, speak that Saturday, uh, horrible weather, not much snow with a lot of icy stuff. I, uh, I did have to do a little uh, blind riding. I hopped on my bike to ride the Gathering Place Brewery, and it was coming straight at my face. So I had one eye open, and then the snow hit me in the other eye, or the one that was open. Yeah, there you go. And I literally had to ride for, like, try to blink it out. And I was, you know, fortunately, I'd ridden that brewery many times. I'm actually, uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people who uh, just put every time I'm on a bike, I wear eye protection. I had glasses on flying about it, but no, it just, you know, the snow was just, it was pelting. Yeah, it was a bad wind. Uh, have you guys been down to the lakefront to see uh, some of the damage from the strong uh, horses? Man, I've not been down there yet. Yeah, so. lots of uh, uprooted trees. And... Well, you only had to go up the street to see the uprooted trees. One came right out of the ground and they're all locusts. Yeah, yeah. so uh, South Shore Park, I guess, really, uh, really took it. So um, it's a shame. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, our really county can find the money to, uh, you know, restore some of these great uh, great parks we have in uh, the city. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. They mentioned a couple other events that are going on either this weekend, coming up here, uh, or down the road a little bit that you might want to check out. If you happen to be across the pond over by, well, by JK, kind of, uh, it's the Snow Bike Festival in Gustad this weekend. It kind of sounds like a cool event. Um, they've been doing it for several years, and it's a three-day kind of stage race sort of an affair with a prologue kind of thing, 19K or somewhere in there, and then a 60-kilometer, like, enduro race. And then the final day is a downhill that has 1,000 meters in six miles of drop that is on snow. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if you see footage, you'll find footage from the Snowbike Festival in Gaston on, on YouTube, and it's pretty impressive. You almost have to crash. I some It's amazing how fast some of those guys are I going. Mean, that, I don't, that, but yes, I think some most people would crash. You've got to at least do a slider once in a while. That's, that's incredible. I, so, I imagine uh, in Gaston, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the beer going around at the end. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Ah. It might be beer IDs. So um, I uh no, I know there's a good fat bike scene in Germany. Uh, much else of the uh, European continent embracing the uh, fat bike? Well, that's a very good question, Russell. I don't have an answer to that. Um, I'm only cursorily involved in fatbike.com and stuff like that. Um, I know that, you know, Sandman made bikes over there, and uh, there's there's several builders that are building fat bikes in Europe, and, of course, Scandinavia is really big on it. Yeah. Just because of the weather. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I think, you know, fatbike.com gets 168 countries looking at the website, so people are interested in them all over the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we're just, we're not maybe catching the local scene in, in the desert or in certain other areas, but we've certainly seen stuff in Australia and, yeah. and, uh, and many places. It's great. Yoge. Yoge all over the world. Now, segueing into fat biking, we have a new, absolutely ridiculously named bike that has come out by uh, Lunacycle has come out with their mid-drive electric fat bike. Mm-hmm. Belt Drive. It's on their website right now. Pre-order. And it is called... What's an eight-speed uh, or is it five-speed Sturmy Archer? Five-speed Sturmy Archer Belt Drive. Uh, it if you look at the componentry e-bike, but if you look at the componentry, you get a Bluto suspension. You get hydro, dual piston hydro brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, for getting something else other than the Gates belt drive, um, it's like twenty six hundred dollars. Okay. Um, Boss Boss motor? No, it's a Buffang, okay. and you can get it with ludicrous mode, which gets it to. Uh, uh, they're going to get sued by Tesla. Thirteen hundred watts. Okay. Um, it comes standard with seven fifty. Apparently, these Buffang mid drives are are putting the bosses to shame. Okay. Um, but it has next to the Baby Maker, which is the the dumbest bike name ever. I got a Baby Maker. Want to see? Carrying on, they have called this bike the Babe. 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 B a b e. Is it blue? No. It's not even a yeah. It's, it's an acronym for what it's, and I can't remember what. Badass belt electric. Or yeah, something like that. that. I don't know what these where these dumb names. Are. Maybe all the good names are taken. So what I, what I mean, like yeah. You can't just, How can you not have a you know? You can't come up with a good name. Yeah, or, you know. In uh, or eight. In uh, some of my past uh, jobs working in the uh, bike industry, um, I found in production actually some of the hardest thing to do is naming, naming a product. product. Naming a product. Um, you think of a cool name, it's like awesome. We've already used that. So uh, it's it's not. Not that simple. If you get a good name well, on it and stuff like it's that, not baby it's not baby maker. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Not a baby maker. I mean, no. that is by far the dumbest. And I, I keep getting a post on Facebook about it. And every time I get the post in my feed again, I'm like, oh, here's the speed again. Dumbest bike name ever. And they finally responded back to me, well, what would you call it? And I responded, well, baby maker. I said, I would, I, w- I would call it whoever put your bullhorns on this bike like this should be fired. Yeah, it, it's just it. Why don't they just call it the dick? You know, well, or Dave once piped and he said, "What do you call a tattoo? Ballbuster." Nice. <laughs> you know, hey, if there's anybody needs a ballbuster, it's Dave Lums. You bet. Yeah. So I'm, we got a lot more events. If you check out the show notes, you'll see some. But one I want to call out specifically that's happening on Sunday the nineteenth is um, Craig Smith's original oh, yeah. backyard fat bike time trial. It has a place down in Roscoe, Illinois. I wanted to get down there for that. And, uh, I, w- I want to see uh, Dave's, um, that Dave Craig's. I want to see his, um, his wheel drive. His wheelchair thing. That yeah, thing is, uh, looks bad. I'm interested. So uh, maybe Greg can put up a link to the uh, event, to the pictures of uh, that. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, we'll find something. Yeah, like he, that. That, he waited a long time for that. It's, a, uh, it's an electric all-wheel drive. All-terrain wheelchair. All-terrain wheelchair. Very, uh, 
Very sharp wheelbase, front to rear. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't balance. I wonder if it's uh, got a gyroscope in it, That's like uh, hoverboards or Segway type thing. And while we're throwing this out, you should probably put a link into it is uh, his new album that just released, which I, I was not hoping he's going to pull the Mellotron album. Yeah, it, it's a little. Yeah, his Mellotron. his new album is available on YouTube, and it's it's really good if you like that. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, he's got some that skills, up that man does. Let me tell you. And uh, well, Craig was one of the original electric fat bike riders because he yeah. has a. He has a condition that's not allowing his muscles to work properly anymore, so he needs all the help he can get. Uh, but he's still out there doing it. Yep. On a heavy get a felt, and he's had a couple of different electric fences. He has. It, 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 he welcomes people basically to his backyard, and, which is a quarry, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Does a time trial around there, and mostly it's a it's an excuse to hang out and have fun. But and no one, no one in the world takes better records of his mileage. On what bike, how many miles he's ridden, the weather conditions. He has got a spreadsheet that will blow your mind. I've uh, known a few people over the years who would keep, uh, you know, immaculate records of all their riding. Um, I just get off ride. Me too. Have I'm going to go with that. I'm going to record it and go with that as well. Yeah. So. Well, Google, like, popped into me to an email because you're on the uh, all hell the mighty Google and gave me a whole feedback because my phone, I turned something on, mm-hmm. and it's been tracking everywhere I've gone for the last year. Yeah, it just turned on by itself. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. They claim I turned it on. Yeah, I, I didn't I, turn I, mine on. And it, it's, we it's, are, it's called the timeline. And yeah, it, it sure knows where you've been. The, the great cobble knows uh, every, every place we go in the world nowadays. So. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. How long you spend in the bathroom? Well, yep. uh, before we wrap this up, i got a couple quick questions for Russell. One, are you still king of the mofos? King of the local mofos. So local mofos, as, how long has this, this group been? Uh, oh, man, I think I've been using the phrase local mofos uh, for about 20 years. So I uh, I still have a few local mofo stickers uh, in my collection. I uh, need to have another batch of those made. Yeah. And Katie, uh, Katie Studio's listening. I might have to uh, make me another batch of local mofo stickers. Yeah, it's a loose, a loose knit group of guys and gals yeah. that just that ride bikes and have fun. All over, all over Milwaukee. All, all over, all over. Just ride and have fun. And yeah, we kind of talked about this before the show, but whatever happened to life in Rusty's tool shed? Life in the Rusty tool shed. I had a, I had a blog about biking and life in general. It's called Life in the Rusty Tool Shed, and uh, ran that for numerous years. Um, put some good feedback on it. I got a little bored with it, and I let it go. And I got a notice. You know, I got the email notice that uh, my uh, uh, rights to the name of life in the rusty tool shed.com where Your domain name. my domain was coming up for renewal and I thought well who's gonna who wants something called life in the rusty tool shed no, right? it, didn't they? and uh, within uh, within days there was then a Japanese porn site oh no so, yes yes I'm not uh, yeah it's great life in the rusty tool shed.com so <laughs> It's funny because I was bowling on uh, Monday in my league and at the Falcon Bowl and was using the restroom and I looked up and there was a website that just said www.thethickair.com. Uh, so, of course, I had to check it out. And yeah, it's some bizarre Asian site that yeah. virtually no English. I imagine uh, making use of the Wayback Machine, some of the uh, some of the uh, original blog can still be pulled up somewhere. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can get it back. I don't see it coming up anymore. So, like, yeah. My old domain is Matt Rabbit. Yeah, maybe I'll grab it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I could so, buy that one, and I could also get you know I'd like to slap Donald Trump dot com, but uh, you know they 
Secret Service might be calling for that. Right. They were here yesterday. So. They, they were here yesterday. I uh, had to drive down past the uh, the arena yesterday on a way to Maine, and uh, uh, I got to show a few uh, a few of the vendors down there already at you know eleven thirty in the morning. Uh, you know, show them that they were number one. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to check, the, there's a pretty great article already on Shepherd Express by uh, T. His last name is Coopis. He's written a bunch of books about like preppers and mm-hmm. you know uh, he, he's pretty he, he's a guy who lives in the neighborhood. He, he does the paranormal conference and stuff. And his his play by play yesterday on Facebook about you know holy shit he's talking about lights again and that's why he looks orange. And I mean he just drums up the same crap at every you know. But that's what these people live for. The article's pretty good. No, I, I want to know uh, know exactly what's in his diet that makes him have to flush the toilet, you know, 15 to 20 times. Yeah, so. guys got lead shit, man. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had a couple double flushers in my lifetime, but I don't think I've ever had anything. Eight, eight seven, eight, 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 You know, it's, 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 it's you know, show has ended.